Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So the scripture reading today is going to be out of Isaiah 45. Yeah, Isaiah 45. All right. So Isaiah 45, verse 14 to 25. Um, as I read the word, you know, focus, clear, clear your hearts and your minds and just listen to the words. Let the word of God wash over you. Thus saith the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabians, men of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. They shall follow you. They shall come over in chains and bow down to you. They will plead with you, saying, surely God is in you and there is no other, no God beside him. Truly you are God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idol go, idols go in confusion together. But Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. Thus saith the Lord who created the heavens. He is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Assemble yourselves and come draw near together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told you this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God beside me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me are righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who are incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. Thank the Lord for the reading of the word. And now, PD, to bring us the word. We thank you, Father. You are such a good God. You're such an awesome God. Lift up your hands. And Father, I thank you, Father, for your power. Yeah, I thank you, Lord. We, are, we position ourselves to receive from you, for there is no one like you. There is no one that can be compared to you. You are God. And so, Father, I, I'm asking you to be God to your people at KLM. Be God to us. Oh, God, I throw, your, throw your weight around on us. Throw your glory on us. Lord, display, do things that you've never done before. I thank you, Father. I thank you for you are, you are the awesome one. You are the mighty one. Jesus, you're the only one holy in Israel. You're the only one that's holy. You're the only one worthy to open up the seals. And we, we bow our hearts and our minds and, and everything that we are to you. Father, we declare your awesomeness in this place. We anticipate the move of God. We thank you for healing the sick. We thank you for delivering the demon oppressed. We thank you for calling those who are sinners back to you. Father, we thank you for claiming backsliders. Thank you, Father, for restoring marriages, giving us wisdom. Father, I thank you. We will not stop until we receive everything that you have. Holy Spirit, help us. 
Help us to position ourselves to receive everything that the Father has preordained and predestined and declared and decreed over this house. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Holy Ghost. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Spirit of the living God, giving me boldness that I not speak as a mere man, as coward, but I speak as a bold, as bold as the mouthpiece of God, as your pastor and as your teacher. Father, many years ago, you asked me to be your pastor. So here I am standing many years and decades later in, your, in this place. And Lord, I receive that mantle and that anointing and that out of that, those graces that you've called me to, I flow. And I thank you, Father. Jesus, you're the great shepherd. You are the epitome of what a pastor is. So I'm asking you to pastor your people through me today. I, a teacher, spirit of the living God, you are the greatest teacher there is. And so teach through me. Minister, calls um, grace deposits into the spirits of men and women so that they can um, reap the harvest of this decades, decades from now. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, God, for the anointing. It is the anointing that makes teaching and preaching easy. It's the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. I thank you for those those who are yoked up in their minds. I thank you for that, that anointing, uh, removing that burden and destroying that yoke. That, that which has been done in the past shall not no longer be the association in the future. Thank you, God. I thank you for liberating. Thank you for liberating people today, Father. Oh, God, you called me a deliverer, and so therefore I deliver. And Lord, I thank you, Father. I deliver your people into the presence of Almighty God through Christ Jesus. I deliver them into the freedom that Jesus died to give them. I deliver them into the prosperity, into the peace that Jesus died to give them. Oh, God, and above all, I deliver them to you. So, God, their Father, I thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I thank you. I will never be ashamed of what you of the grace that you have given us, God. And I boast on in, in you. My boast is in you, God, today. Thank you, God. I praise you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father. And we give space to the Holy Ghost. And we give space to him who leads us and guides us. He's the one who's greater than all of us. For greater is he that is in us than is he, he that is in the world. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you desire to do more than we've ever seen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's just wait on him. Let's just wait on him. Oh, Father, we wait upon you. And Father, we, we receive that which you have preordained and predestined for this time. Thank you, Father, that each heart is a heart of good ground. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Jesus, we praise you. Did you not think that we've come to play games with God? Did you, did you think that this is a, just a, a pastime? But, but the Lord has come to meet with us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of seeing and knowing. I thank you. We only do those things which we see our Father do. We only say those things which we hear our Father say. Thank you, Father. And thank you with holy boldness. We move out and we do that which you have placed inside of us. 
I connect my tongue with my spirit. Thank you, Father. This is a great day for you, Father, in this church, Father. And we celebrate your day. We celebrate your, not only your visitation, your habitation, for you dwell on the inside of us. You, your heart, our hearts are, are the permanent home of you. And thank you that you dwell on the inside of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. We are not playing with the devil. The devil is a defeated foe, and we receive the victory that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're not playing church. Church days, playing church is gone, long gone from here. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're talking about love. Amen. Love is the greatest key, and that's what we're going to deal with. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. But we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 4. We're going to do this until we get it down. I'm reading out of the classic Amplified 1 John. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7b. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 8b, I should say. This is love. <clears throat> it says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is often read in, um, you know, weddings. And it's cute that it's done that. But it needs to be a reality in our lives as Christians. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it's not self-seeking, it's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when truth and right and truth prevail. Love bears up anything un, under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes are faithless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Glory to God. That is God's love. So we're talking about love, the greatest key. There's some major keys in life, right? As we think about it, there are major keys. One of the keys to life, you think about education. That's a major key. Um, we, we, we perish for the lack of knowledge. So education, understanding is a major key. Um, the Lord said um, in Proverbs 4, and all you're getting, get understanding. Um, there are some other um, keys to life that, that we, 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 we should have received from our parents. And if we not, we, we learn it along the way. But love is the key to success with God. Love is the key to success as a Christian. Love is, is the key to in success and fulfilling the will of God for your life. Sometimes people go after God, but they neglect the very thing that he is, which is love. Keys open doors. You know, we know faith is, is, is powerful, but you can't, your faith can't work without love. The Bible says in um, Galatians that um, love, faith is energized by love. Love should be the foundation to all that we do. Everything that we do from prayer to, to, to work to 
um, being at home, all of that should be based out of love. So go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And let's look at verse 14. I love this verse. This verse um, probably is, if I was to get a tattoo, I probably would get it tatted right there. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we see the grace of the Lord Jesus. We see God's love, the Father's love. And then we see the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. All right, so we see that the love of the Father. And I said it um, a couple of weeks ago, said it last week, love is the highest form of worship. Sometimes people want to worship, and, they, and I, often I've said in the past that they worship worship, <laughs> they praise praise, and they love what worship produces. Um, it produces peace and, 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 and love. We know praise and worship is their, their weapons and so forth, but I think it's wrong for us just to focus on praise and worship as, as weapons. I think it, it, it belongs to where it belongs to. We ought to praise God and worship him, and love is the highest form of worship. If you really want to worship God, you got to love. That went over really well. Um, and love, love and, uh, and forgiveness is a form of worship. And so we talked about this love, living in love. We talked about also, you know, the ways in which we pursue love, the pursuit of love. So let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And let's jump down to verse seven. It says beloved. And we, we looked at that word beloved. It simply means to be loved. If you break that word down, it means to be loved. Some people, they just don't want to be loved. They just don't want to let Jesus love them. Sometimes they're looking for a mystical love. But be loved. Just, it's, it's, let's do what that Bible says. The Bible says be loved. Stop turning away God's love. You know, some people just don't want to be loved. They rejoice in their hurt more than they rejoice in the love of God. They rather dwell and wallow in hurt. And the same thing happens with, with a loved one pass. They wallow in the grief of missing that person, which is rooted in selfishness, especially if the person was in Christ. They're in a far better place, would not come back if they could. And yet people longing to, oh, like they're lost or getting hurt something. Maybe you should cry when somebody died and go to, went to hell. But there's no way for you to know that. You know what I'm saying? It's a, a, a mo one moment of God right before death, I believe the mercy of God comes to them. Every scripture that was proclaimed to them will come to them at the moment of death. And they have a decision to make. So we are not to reject the love of God. Some people are so rejected that they reject God's love. He's, he's trying to love you. Receive his love. Stop being hurt. Be, receive love. Receive love. You know, some people, they get so hurt that they don't want to, they, they take that hurt into the next relationship, the next relationship. They take that hurt from, into, you know, somebody get hurt on the job, notice it doesn't stop them from getting another job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, especially if the money is right. So we need to we need to not go to from relationship to relationship based on past relationships. 
Walk into that relationship with newness of love, newness of mind, newness of openness, newness of humility. Love is the greatest key to life. Jesus, thank you, Lord. So be love. Um, let us love one another. Let us love one another. If we think about it, how do we love one another? Through prayer, prayer for one another, for carrying each other's burdens, weeping with one another, rejoicing with one another, being there for each other, speaking the truth in love. That's how we love one another. I don't know what you think loving one another is, but this is really fleshed out in the home and in the local assembly. There's no highest form of that scripture being obedient outside of home in the church. Because you don't love a stranger. Because you don't know them. You love when you don't, when you know somebody and you know who they are, you look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you still love them. And that's how God is. He loves us everlasting love with the everlasting love. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Notice this, that you can be born of God and yet not know God because you don't love. The measuring stick that you know God is your love for one another. That's, the, that's how you know you love God. Just because you hear from God doesn't mean you know him. And that mess up the reality of most Christians because they think because they hear from God, they're somebody special. The devil hears from God and trembles. They said demons trembles at, they, they tremble at his word. So just because people tremble and shake and fall out doesn't mean that they know God. Oh, they're spiritually mature. You can have an anointing and still not flow in love, still not know God. Just because they cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead and do great things don't mean that they know God. Just because they have revelations out of this world and can give you the keys to walk in the fullness of God's place will, but if they don't have love, it's empty. Just because they have social, social justice and they're doing all these things don't mean that they have love. They don't mean, it doesn't mean that they know God. To know God is to love people. You cannot be, I love Jonathan McReynolds, but you cannot be delivered from people if you're a Christian. God never called us to, to go into the mountains and stay and never deal with people. Sorry, monks. No, no, that's not the will of God. I'm doing the will of God. I'm dedicated. No, the will of God is wherever the people is. So you got to go where the people are. And God wants us to be around people, even if they get on our last nerve to display who God is to them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How are people going to taste God if they don't see you? Because you are the Christian. Some Christians, they want to be, they want to get saved and get out of here. Get rapture ready. But God doesn't do that. He keeps you on the earth because he needs some salt. He needs some light and salt will make you thirsty. So how much salt do you have that you make people so thirsty for God that they got an ax of the hope that you have? You put too much salt on something, you'll get thirsty. Salt preserves things and yet Christians want to be away from it. How can we say we love him and we don't love people? Verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So we see that the loving, the, the foundation of us loving one another is the love of God. Us receiving that love, 
us believing that love, us experiencing that love, and loving people out of that love. So yes, you will get tired. Your love will run out. Your human love, your love for your kids, your love for your spouse. But when God's love is in the mix, it'll never run out. And so many Christians are trying to love with human love trying to obey these scriptures with human love. You can't do it. You're going to get tired. You're going to get nervous. You're going to run out of strength. But his love compels us. His love moves in us. His love is alive. No matter when you come to your, the very end of your love, his love kicks in. His love is not ordinary. His love will stay and remain and pray and be there and tell the truth regardless of human relation. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. We talked about that last week. You know, people are like, I see God, I see God, I see God. I, I know his throne. I've seen the face of God. Great, great, great. But, but this scripture says no one has ever actually seen God like the way that God is. But if we love one another, God abides in us and he's, his love is perfected in us. And so as we love one another, people can see God in us. They will know that you are Christians by your love one to another. So as we love, they see God. Verse 13, by this we know that we, have, we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Notice that the spirit of God dwells on the inside of us. Romans 5 tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. Say the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of me. So you are God's permanent home. God dwells on the inside of you. He does not dwell in this building. Even though we call it a church, we sanctify it, set it apart for church. He dwells in us. His manifest, manifested presence you may experience, which I experienced. I, I know that you experienced this morning. But his permanent dwelling place is on the inside of us. We need to become more God inside conscience. God inside mindedness. We need to be mindful that he lives on the inside of us. And whatever we face, we can tap into him who is inside of us. Everything that he is, he is in us. <laughs> so when there's a problem come my way, I look to him who's on the inside of us. When, I, when I've come to the end of my love, I tap into his love. When I don't know what to do, I tap into him. There was a situation earlier this morning, and I said, pray in the Holy Ghost and find the answer. If you'll, find, if you'll tap into God, you'll get the answer every time. God knows everything. He knows where your keys are. He knows where your lost loved ones are. He knows where the extra money that you need. He knows how to get you some victory, some joy, some peace. Come on. We act like we don't serve God. We, are, we, are on, we, we have a spiritual advantage in this world. And God lives on the inside of us, and we are defeated. We defeated in our marriages, defeated in our finances, defeated in our minds. We don't even think the right thoughts because we don't know, understand the power that is inside of us. I'm telling you, God is calling us to come up higher. I can't pray more than 10 minutes. You are, you're a failure. Come on, get, grow, 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 grow. I can't love. I don't know what I can do. Oh, uh, you, know, God, you know, God just want me to love. I don't know how to love. Come on, tap into God, and he'll teach you how to love. You have love in the inside of you. You can't truly hate when you love God. You, you're a liar if you do. You don't have him if you, if you hate. God never called us to hate people. We're to hate evil, abhor evil. We're to hate 
um, the things of darkness, but we're to love God and his word and his people. Come on. God dwelling on the inside of us. No, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We need to mature in love. Kaylin, we need to mature in love. Some of us are babes in love. Just because you've been the way for a long time doesn't mean that you have matured in love. By this, verse 13, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us this spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Notice this, if we confess, there is no salvation without the confession of faith. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so we have to confess the lordship of Jesus. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, no one can say by the spirit, no one can say except by the spirit that Jesus is Lord unless the spirit of God empowers them. So there is no faith without confession. Some people make fun of us and say, you confession people, you always claiming it and naming it. Yes, we claim what God promised. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, we do. Call me that because I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to walk in that. We claim the gifts of the spirit. We claim that we can walk in love. We claim that we have the solution to all problems in Christ and in his word and in the name. And we plead the blood of Jesus and we take our stands in the Christ. We take our place in Christ today. Amen. Let's look at verse 14. Thank you, Father. Oh, actually, verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Notice the scripture says, we have come to know. You got to come to know this love. Come to know this love. Come to know this love. I don't think some Christians, even though they have received the gospel message, they don't know how much they're loved. And when you get a revelation of the love of God, I was praying this week in the church and I was praying for God to give us a revelation of his love. Lord, let, let us see how much you love us. Because when we know how much we love us, it will blow up every insecurity. It will blow up every rejection, every fear. How much, do you really know he loves you? Or do you know that that's just a thing that we've been taught since we were little? We have come to know and believe. (laughs) So we know this love and we believe this love. So even if you don't feel like you're in love, that you love by God, you believe it. I believe that God loves PD, no matter what. I'm not moving from that. Though I fall and I make mistakes, I believe that God loves me. And faith in that liberates me from condemnation. Faith in that sets me up for believing God, the plan of God for my life. I believe in the love of God. You've never seen somebody commit or die by suicide that didn't under, that that had an understanding of the love of God. When you know how much God loves you, you won't ever think about that. Thank you. God is love. He is the definition of love. You can go back to 1 Corinthians 13 where it says love. I dare you this week to put wherever it says love, put God and let that change your life. Verse 17. 
By this is love perfected with us. By what? By us knowing and believing the love that God has for us. When you know and you believe that love, that love is perfected. That word perfected, don't let it trip you up. It just means maturing. Let that love mature in you. You know you can mature in God's love. And there's some people who are not mature. They're not mature in the love. I think sometimes people think of spiritual maturity as people who got gifts or people who got titles or people who've been saved for a long time. But spiritual maturity is tested with love. The more you love, the more you're mature. It's not how much you know. It's how much you do. You love in word and in deed. Thank you, Lord. It says the love of God is perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. We have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So on the day of judgment, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ if you're, if you're a Christian. We have confidence on that day. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so what, what is that sin? What is that sin? Verse um, 17, what is that sin? It is through the maturity in the love of God that our salvation is assured in our heart. Therefore, we have confidence on, for the day of judgment. We aren't insecure about our stand with Christ or with God. We know where we are in him. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. He is love and we are children born and walking in love. We are children of love. We become like him. How do you know if you're like Jesus? Based on your love. That is the measuring stick of how much, how much you're, you and I are like Jesus. It's based on how much we're perfected in that love. Let's look at verse 18. There's no fear in love. So if you have fear, you have no love. No understanding of love. I know people, are, they're afraid of things. They're afraid of snakes. They're afraid of um, um, people. They're afraid of um, speaking in front of people. They're afraid of, of the, the opinions of people. They're, they're afraid of success. They're, they're afraid of failure. They're, they're afraid of things. But if you are perfected in the love, the love of God drives out that fear. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has, been has not been perfected in love. So if you have any type of fear, and specifically it's talking about being fit fearful in the day of judgment. I'm not afraid to go and stand before God because I'm perfected in love. I'm being perfected in love. As he is, so am I. When he sees me, he sees his son. When he sees you, he sees his son. So we're perfected in that love. Love of God will drive out fear, any anxiety, any fear that you may be facing. Just perfect in that love. Realize, baptize your soul in the love of God. You and I can experience that love every single day. That love will set you free. That love will, it doesn't matter what people say. That love destroys any connection that what people say do not affect you. Just like a duck with, uh, in the water and goes, goes in that water and that water rolls off the back of that duck. So does the enemy's 
tricks and schemes and devices. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. Now, that's not me. You are accuser of the brethren. I refuse to believe the lie. I believe that God loves me. And that because I'm saved and I'm set apart, that love is perfected in my life. And I fear no evil. I fear no man. I fear no creatures. He's given me dominion. And I stand. And I, that's why John could, could go and, and be exiled and be they trying to kill him. But that love of God kept him alive. That love, he, he's the apostle. They call him the apostle of love. And he had a revelation of the love of God. And that love kept him alive. The only apostle that did not die by persecution. And when he's an old man, he says, I got a new commandment. Love one another. Hallelujah. He was the one that was loved by God. He's the disciple that was that that he describes himself as being loved by Jesus. He had an understanding of the love of God. And if you and I get an understanding of it, we can go through this life through hell and back because of the love of God. The love of God, understanding that his love, you cannot be separated from his love. That he loved you so much, not based on your answer prayers, not based on your prosperity, but based on what he did at Calvary. When you're feeling lonely and you're feeling down and out and feel hurt, go and look at Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider the cross who, despising the shame, endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Consider Jesus. When when the devil tells you you, you're not loved, consider Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fear has torment. Fear will stop you from getting your mouth taken care of by dentists. Fear will stop you from getting that surgery that is needed. Fear will stop the blessings of God. It robs God's people of his blessing. Fear to go to be a friend with somebody else because you got hurt by the last friend. Fear to venture out into new territories because of fear. Well, I feel God called me to be an entrepreneur, but the last 15 businesses failed. Get free from the fear of failure. Get free from your successes. You were successful at that. But be free from that because that's no longer potential. I disassociate myself from the past successes and the past failures. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Don't get it twisted. No, of your great love for God. The only reason why you love God, because he first loved you. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not, does not love his, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Notice this. People are quick to say how much they love God, and yet they cannot stand the people that they see. You, do, you are loving a God that you have never seen, and yet you say that you hate a brother that you have seen. Impossible. You are a liar to say that I love God, but you hate his people. This is the, wrong, this is, this is the problem with this, gener, this generation They're saying that they want God 
but they don't want the church. Liars. The truth is not in them. You cannot say you love God and you want God and yet you disassociate with his church. Don't ever put down the church, even if she's wrong. If you put your mouth on the church, God will put his mouth on you in a negative way. Ask Brother Saul. <laughs> Let's look at chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 before I quit. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So you can't say you love the Father and not love people who are saved. By this, we know that we are children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. All The liar is the person who denies the father and the son. You cannot love God and hate your brother. Impossible, not doable. If you love God, then you will love his people. People who don't like church say they love God is a liar. You cannot want Jesus and hate what he has established, his church. You have not seen God and yet you claim you love him. But you have seen your brothers and your sisters, and yet you don't love him, them. Therefore, you don't love God. If you love God, then you will love his people. That is the bottom line. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let me give you this last um, scripture as we end this series, Romans 8. Romans 8, 31. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Ever say, if God be for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. It's the one who died. And more than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who, what, who shall separate us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, a famine, a nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things. So it tells you, you're not just a sheep going, being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to, the, be the, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, in what? In the tribulation, in the distress, in the persecution, in the famine, in the nakedness, in the danger, in the sword, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You can't, nothing you do and nothing you say can stop God from loving you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. We talked about receiving and believing his love last couple of weeks. And last week we talked about be quick to forgive. Love is the greatest key. Now this one right here, you have to do every day. You got to choose love every day. Choose love every day. Forgiveness is so important that it is the key. Love is the key to making your faith work. Not saying all the right stuff is love. If your love walk is wrong, 
your faith will not work. You can make confessions to your blue in the face, and it will not work if you don't have love. You can give all your money to the church, and yet if you don't have love, you won't receive a reward for that. I'm telling you, love is the bottom line for everything we do. It is the foundation for every Christian endeavor, for in any Christian walk, you know, Christian spiritual dis- dis- disciplines. You got to choose love every day. So this what I did this week. I, 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 I was praying before I came to the church, and I, I sat down in my study, and I began to go through a list of at least 15 people that I thought that I might have unforgiveness with. And I went by name by name, and I called them out, and I said, I release Joe Black. I release Sarah Black. I release a Pookie Black. <laughs> I release everybody. You know, I just went through the list. And I'm telling you, the love of God flooded my soul. So I want to challenge you this week to go over in your mind and your heart and identify individuals that you might have any ill will towards or you might even think that you are holding unforgiveness towards. Do it this week. Choose love every day. Release even people who are dead in their grave. Release them. I release such and such. And I went through 50, oh, through the life, my lifetime, I went through 15 people that I thought that I might have ill will towards. And if you'll do that, your faith will begin to work like never before. And God will visit you in your prayer time, in your study time, and in your life, and in your children. I'm telling you, unforgiveness stops you from receiving from God. Walking in love positions you to receive. I challenge you to choose love every day. And when somebody does you wrong, say, I forgive you. I release you. That person you're driving down the highway and they cut you off, I release that person. You don't want to give the devil one inch because he'll take a foot. You, you let him in the car, he'll take over the car. Don't give the devil any place. Paul told the church of Ephesus, give no place to the devil. And you have to... Make sure that you don't give place to the devil. So choose. We talked about quick to forgive last week. This week, choose love every day. Choose love every day. How many are going to choose love every day? I'm telling you, your life is about to change. Some, sometimes we don't even know that we have unforgiveness towards somebody. I, I challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance anything that you have, unforg- any ill will towards anybody. And he will. And even now. He's revealing to somebody that's coming to your mind right now. Right now. Release that person. Release that person. Forgive. You've been forgiven much, so you and I got to forgive much. Amen. Much has been received. Much, much, is, much is given. Much must, we must um, operate in that. Amen. Just totally messed up that scripture, but it's all good. <laughs> forgive. Forgive. How many times should I forgive, PD? 70 times 7 per day, per offense. Over and over again, I choose. You see how this is, this is the greatest message you ever hear about love? You know what I'm saying? Some people, they, oh, how to be successful in life. How to have this and how to have that. How to fulfill your calling. None of that will work if you don't love. Flush it down the toilet. You got to get this right. What's love got to do with everything? Everything. Love is everything. Love, you got to love people. You got to forgive the unsinned, unbelievers. Sometimes you got to forgive companies. Sometimes you got to forgive systems. Yes, my God. Oh, yeah. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. 
Yes, you do. Some yeah. of some of people are so they hatred, hatred, hatred towards the white man, hatred towards the black man, hatred towards this country. Let me go back to Africa. And then people in Africa, let me come to America. You know what? Forgive. Yeah, they did that. Forgive them. Cops, forgive them. Government, forgive them. Family members, forgive them. They did me wrong and they stay there. And they are never able, they're not able to fulfill everything God has for them. They wonder why their faith doesn't work. They wonder why their prayers are not answered. They wonder why they can't just get along with everybody. That is shapes their entire life. I'm gonna give you this. Ephesians 3. This is my last scripture. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 14. This is a prayer. Verse 15, I should say. This is a prayer that you should pray for yourself. You should pray for one another. Ephesians chapter 3. Not walking in love will rob you. Will rob, it's verse 14. Will rob you of God's will for your life. One thing about the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it is a love book. And it commands us to love from beginning to the end. If you do not love, you're not going to have a walk with God. You'll find yourself walking through this life without him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, inner being. So we're praying, Paul is praying that they will be strengthened in the inner man. Some of y'all need to be strengthened in your inner being. Then verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you've been rooted and grounded in love. What, why is Paul saying that, they, that Christ may be dwell in their hearts by faith? In other words, that Christ will be the strength of their life. He, he'll be the only one who sits upon the throne of their hearts, that Christ may dwell in your heart, your hearts by faith or through faith, that you've been rooted and grounded in what? Love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, even the ones you don't like, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think, according to the power at work within us. I just did a KJV, I'm sorry, that was, you know, that's not ESV. To him be glory in church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So notice this scripture. It says that you've been rooted and grounded in love. I want you to join me standing today as I pray this prayer over you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Raise your hands. And as your pastor, this is what I'm praying for you. Close your eyes. For this reason of this cause, I bow my knees, Father before you, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, that you are strengthened, KLM, with all might through your spirit in the inner being, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith, that they being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, that they will know the love of God. 
that they would know the love of Christ. Father, right now, I'm asking you that they will encounter your love right now. Now receive, don't pray, receive. Receive his love now. Receive the love of God. Right now, encounter the love of God. Experience the love of God right now. That they will know, Lord, as the undershipper of this house, I, I, I'm praying that they will know the love of Christ. That they will know your love. That they may be filled with the fullness of God. That they will be, that we will be a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. God, I pray that the world will know that we are your children, Christ followers, because of our love one to another. Let this, let this house be marked by the love of God, not by hurt, not by hurt, by love. Mark us with love. Love, love, let love be the, the, the mark of this house. Love, the love of God right now in Jesus' name. If you're listening to me, whether through the podcast or through YouTube, if you don't know Jesus and the part in your sins, I want you to know that he, he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Today is your day of salvation. And I want to challenge you to bow your knees unto Father God. Father God has so much love for you. You who don't know love have never experienced love on this level. There is a higher love. And I'm asking you to bow your knees to the Lord Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And today is your day of salvation. You don't ever have to feel unloved. Why don't you let Jesus love you? Receive his love. So if you want to be saved, we here at KLM will pray this prayer with you and mean it with their heart. There's no magic in the prayer, but there's faith in God. So let's pray this prayer with those who are joining us by YouTube. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need the Savior. I throw myself on Jesus. I say that I believe that Jesus died in my place and that God raised him from the dead on the third day. And I believe that Jesus is Lord. So I receive forgiveness of sin in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God some praise. If you pray that prayer, text us at 732-324-2200. Say, I want Jesus or I receive Jesus, and we'll get information to you. You may take your seats real quick as we receive the Lord's Supper. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.